Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and this is the third and final part of my interview with the great Jennifer Losey. So I'm going to reminisce yearningly, like Wolverine in that one meme, while you all listen and enjoy. Have you had to record any sessions from home yet using something like Source Connect or some other program? So I haven't had any sessions to record from home yet. The the Disney project I do, um, I usually do scratch tracks and pickups from home. Uh, previously, we would go, I would go down there and we would record all the episodes in a block. If there are new ones to record, then I'll be doing them from here. But I did some pickups uh, for the one that's coming out this week. <laughs> uh, we did like a sentence, then we did like again, and I've now recorded on like three separate microphones as I've been like upgrading <laughs> my system. So right. I think it's very funny. I was like, how many more mics can I record this on? But there are some shows that I work on, like for Bang Zoom, where uh, right now production is paused on them. But depending on how long this goes, we might need to do it from home. I know um, some shows they've dubbed, like an episode aired of. Um, one of the Magical Girl shows, and they just, um, they did the whole episode from home. Oh, nice. And I haven't done that yet, but if any of my shows come back sooner, it's very possible that we'll be dubbing from here. And so I know they've been doing Source Connect or Source Connect Now for that. I have, I'll be bringing my computer monitor over onto this bookcase across from me so that I have a nice big screen to dub on. I practiced by playing some Twitch sings on Saturday. It's like karaoke. So it's kind of like rhythm of band dubbing, (laughs) uh, but like very small. I was like, oh, that's not going to work. Okay, I need a bigger screen. Um, So I've been lucky not to have to do that before I've been able to like improve my space. But I hope I love these shows, um, even when it's like small things. I hope that I get to keep doing that. But I would completely understand if they're like, we got a deadline, sister, and your room sounds like a box. We might have to have someone else do those lines this week. I hope that doesn't happen. But so far, it sounds like um, they've been very accommodating and people doing tests and getting feedback. And hopefully that by the time someone goes, yeah, you know what? Like, we can't wait any longer. We got to just record this. Hopefully I'll be in tip top shape. So I guess the short answer is no, I have not. (laughs) But I I live in excitement slash fear of it, Um, mostly because I can't control like the centaurs that live above me. Right. And so I just like I'm hopeful that like right now it's been peaceful and lovely and no one's doing laundry and no one's running the air conditioning next door and uh, there's no garbage trucks. The leaf blowers did not come today. What? Uh, they, I have a Google Doc of when I hear them, so I can tell studios when is a terrible time. That's a like, good idea. They're like, what's your availability? I'm like, not Monday at 9.30 and not Wednesday at 11 o'clock, because that's when the garbage gets picked up and the girl that lives upstairs is playing tennis in her room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, um, yeah, worrying about this stuff is not ideal, but it seems like studios have been pretty forgiving about it, like, especially even for dubbing. They've had actors record to video remotely, but obviously there's going to be some latency. It's not going to sync up perfectly. But the engineers have handled it. They are Engineers the are always heroes. Yeah. And I'm glad that people are finally realizing. I mean, I think people know, but, like, I hope that everyone's, like, bringing cookies to their engineers from now on. Like, I always feel like people should have to work, like, retail or customer service or, like, um, food service at one point in their life. Like, should be mandatory because people would be way nicer to each other if they had ever, like, had to be, like, the girl at the cashier in, like, return season or, like, folded 500 sweaters in one night. Like, I've college. Um, (laughs) And so... 
I'm like, you know, people now are realizing just how lucky we have it to get to work with a team of genius people who are the best at what they do. And now we're all like, how do I do all of that alone? Uh, Shit. And so uh, (laughs) it's a lot of like, so dubbing one eye on the script, one eye on the mouth, one eye on my levels. Uh, That's three eyes. (laughs) That's too many eyes. You know, and then the fourth eye on Zoom or Skype or, or whatever. So I was like, yeah, that's... It's a lot of multitasking. I think, um, like, I don't know if you saw that article that went around where it was like, Final Fantasy VII remake actors got the script in the moment. I'm like, yes, <laughs> that is generally how it is for like games and for dubbing and, and all of that. Um, you know, I, I've worked on a game where I don't even know what it is. I have no idea what the game is called. I don't really know much. Um, I'll find out eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um and like dubbing is already challenging in the most fun way. Like I really enjoy dubbing when I get the chance to do it. It feels like you're playing a game each it, time. It's weirdly um, satisfying. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. You're like, I did it. I hit the flaps. That matched perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I almost acted on that take. Yes. Yeah, totally. And like sometimes dub acting gets criticized and people say it could have been better. But I feel like people don't understand that there are many wheels spinning at the same time. And sometimes you could make the strong acting choice, but it just doesn't make sense for the lip flap. So even yeah. the wording has to maybe be more unnatural. But like anybody who criticizes dubbing, I would love to get in the booth sometime and <laughs> see how they do. Yeah. Like, dubbing always seems so intense intimidating uh you know before and i you know i did classes and and when i booked my first anime i like went and i looked up like i googled like behind the scenes anime dubbing and i watched as many people in the booth just because i was like what if i suddenly forget how to do everything i know and i was like okay like it'll be fine and it was fine but yeah it's like you want to like cold reading for a video game you're like okay here's the line you have a second you, you go okay okay cold reading an anime or dubbing is like Okay, we're going to watch the preview. Beep, 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 you. <laughs> like, right. That's it. You have like, as long as the line is to be looking at the words, watching it, listening to how the acting is, and then being ready to start. Like, I did not know how much I was going to love dubbing. I absolutely adore it. It is my favorite. Because, <laughs> yeah, there's like the, like a mini game aspect to it, too, where you're like, all right, I can do all of this. I can hit this. Like It's like rock band. Right. But it's made me such a better actor because you don't have time to get in your head. Totally. You know, yeah. you have to make a choice. Or like, you know, on shows we were doing incidentals, um, like there are things I work on where like my char- I have a character on a show who has like maybe a sentence or two every couple episodes. So I'm like 10 randos every time I show up to work. And so it'll be like, okay, you're the girl with the pigtails. Let's play the line. Go. And you're like, okay, what's she going to sound like? And like, what's her attitude? And what's her opinion on this thing? And you say your four words. And they're like, great, move on. Okay, now you've used that voice up. So that one's no good for the rest of today. Okay, well, now you're this other teenage girl with the different pigtails. Okay, now you're a boy. You have one line. Okay, now you're a boy that has 11 lines. I'm like, no, I used my good boy voice on the one line. I didn't know. (laughs) You know, and I think what's what's awesome about it is it's sort of like crazy acting roulette where you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what my character is going to be. I'm lucky on the things where I'm, you know, if it's if we're a few weeks behind Japan, I go, I will watch every show I've worked on. I've watched every episode in Japanese and then I watch them all in English, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so that I know what's going on. So the director doesn't have to be like, okay, well, then like this thing happened like on page two and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they can just be like, okay, here's what I want to do with this. You know, shortcuts for we can be good faster, but you can't always do that. 
I've I've worked on I worked on a movie recently where I was like I watched the trailer and I was like okay my character didn't talk in the trailer I was like I don't know what the sound like really like I don't know like with your experience dubbing like I don't know are you loving dubbing like is it is it giving you new crazy tech tree skills that you didn't know you had yeah I mean I haven't had a ton of opportunities to audition for anime I do mainly live action but again I love that it feels like a game and especially if you're dubbing for a good show it's like oh this is amazing and it's such a tease when they give you just your lines yeah. to record because you want to see what's happening next or, or hear the other person right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's another mystery that people don't know is like you know depending on what order you record in, you know, you are doing a scene with a person who you're like, I don't hear them. I and I don't hear their lines necessarily. So if you don't have, you know, a, a good director is giving you context and saying like, OK, they told you this thing. And and with this attitude, you're like, great. Right. But you're like, wouldn't it be cool if like I could hear that and we could all record together? And yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, without giving anything away. There was one scene where my character was in the background talking inaudibly to someone else for like two minutes straight and the director was really cool he was like just literally say whatever you want and it should be fine <laughs> um, so i just started spewing random facts about outer space i'm super <laughs> into this <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I love they, it. they recorded me first so the other actors are gonna have to respond to these <laughs> random space facts oh but, that um, makes me so happy but i was wondering the majority of dubbing is still non-union but there's uh, a lot more union dubbing coming out on netflix and well, first of all, how did you end up joining the union? So I uh, became eligible for um, union work back on a web series like a thousand years ago when it was like new media was brand new and everybody was like, I'm going to make a web series and I'm going to Taft-Hartley all my friends. Mm -hmm. And I ended up working on something and one of the guys was like, hey, can I submit this to SAG? Like, I'll be the signatory. And the guy making it was like, sure. And so I've been eligible for a long time. And then um, I think it's public knowledge that Sword Art Online went union. And so there's a period where, like, you know, you when you're eligible, you can work X number. You can work like 30 days. You can get like a bonus like, hey, it's been a long time. Can I work 30 days? And so the first episodes I did in this this part of the arc, um, I did on my OK30. And so I had to join for my last session. Interesting. Um, which we recorded on my birthday. So I wrote a very large check to SAG like the day before. I was like, happy birthday to me. Goodbye, money. Um, <laughs> and so my character um, is aired. So it's not super spoiler. But, like my character has things to do in like the next half, which will happen eventually because it's delayed. But like it's like the middle of the night. And so she's like nodded off. Um, and so the only line she has in this episode is she like wakes up and is like, Ugh. And that's it. Like, it's one with an open mouth reacts. Like, it's one sound. I think we made it like three or four sounds. And she, like, wakes up, makes a sound, and that is it. That's it. Rinko is done for the season. She is finished. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was a big check to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, but we actually did a bunch of Walla. Um, there's a, a really amazing scene at the end. And Sword Art Online, without getting into the lore of that show, is like there's things that happen in like virtual worlds and then real world. And so my character's a real world character. Mm -hmm. But they're like in the game and like the main characters from like the franchise are like there's like a really great speech. And there's people in the background who are like, yeah, or like, boo. And so we did one loop through like the whole like, I don't know, like five minute scene of like the first pass through is like, you like this. The second pass is like, you don't. And it was just me yelling random encouragement or disparaging comments or whatever as like a miscellaneous like you know, video game player. Right. So, I mean, I did something else, but I was definitely, like, done in, like, 15 minutes. I was like, okay, well, I'm in the union. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but it worked out because there was a, a game that I was talking about earlier where I got a phone call and they were like, hey, um, do you want to work on this? And are you union? And are you free like tomorrow? And I was like, all of that. Yes. You know, I was like, I'll write the check when someone pays me to write the check. And then I was like, all right, I got the check. Uh, <laughs> like, I took, I took the bus down to the union office oh, wow. and was like, hi, I'm here with my paperwork. Um, so, yeah, so it's exciting that, um, you know, all of the, the Netflix dubs are now union and more and more anime projects are going union. Uh, you know, and I'm hopeful that game contracts will get better because uh, really right now there's like the big contract that's been the contract forever and like, there's like a tiny indie one and there's nothing in the middle. Right. So I, I'm hopeful that, you know, there'll be more options for developers of different budgets to start bringing some of those projects to union too. get everybody some insurance and, and all that and some protection and like a four cent royalty eventually or right. whatever, how that works. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people joined on that show. A lot of people, it's like their first union gig. So it's kind of, kind of wholesome. It's like everyone's like first day of like college. Or That's something. awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely tough to realize. I've just paid several thousand dollars because the gig I booked needs me to sigh. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of poetic. And then and then now the show's on hiatus until July in, in Japan. So we'll probably, you know, start recording in August or September. So I was grateful for that other job to make me feel less bad about it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a big chunk of money. Like, I love being a member of the union, but it's not easy for many people to pay that initiation yeah. fee. I've had a line item in my budget for like five years of oh, like, wow. I was like, I can't touch this money. This is, I'm going to book a union gig someday. You know, I put like $50 a month into that little like bucket for like years mm -hmm. until I was like, all right, it's spoken for. It doesn't exist in my head. Like it's not real. That money is like in a void. Now that money's in their bank, but at least they do. They have payment programs and other things too, which is great. Oh, totally. Like I took all of their workshops and stuff to soften the blow of the initiation fee. But um, if anybody needs to be reminded that voice acting is the best gig in the world, you probably felt this way for the sigh that made you join the union. But I had a four-hour session for a video game that they only used me for 15 minutes of. And I didn't leave that session feeling like, oh, wow, I made this chunk of money for just 15 minutes of work. I thought, oh, man, are you sure? Can we still play for a couple <laughs> hours? Like, that's what makes this job like the best. I always like that, too. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're done. I'm like, well, we're out. no. <laughs> I know. Uh, there's an anime I'm in called Inspector in slash Spectre. It's like mystery, but like ghosts. See? It's clever. Um, and I'm like a, a little critter. And so I just have a bunch of sounds. And I show up every few episodes. I'm one of the, the yokai that like hangs out with the main girl. And... Uh, <laughs> Like, but I'll go in and because we do one episode at a time on that show, like other shows we'll do up to four. Um, so I just like come in, I make a bunch of cute animal noises and I'm, they're like, okay, go home. And I'm like, I don't want to do I do more stuff. Like, can I do more stuff? Right. One week they're like, you're also a waiter. You have two lines. I was like, yay. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it is fun when you have a really short session and it's like a, a good paying gig to be like, my hourly rate for that was crazy. And then yeah, the rest of the time you're like, my hourly rate for that was really sad. Um, <laughs> but I loved every second of it. You know, I'm always like, I will, I'm like, okay, this was like the best session of my life. Like, are you sure? Do you want me to just like record your voicemail? Is there something I can do <laughs> while I'm here? Right. I always uh, tell them I'm going to walk out really slowly in case you need anything at all. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is kind of an abrupt segue, but I realize I haven't asked you what your auditioning methods are. Do you 
just start recording and figure it out as you go or take your time to answer questions like the backstory before you start recording, you know? Sure. That's a great question. I think, uh, here's my lame answer. Uh, oh, I hate that word. I'm mad I said it. Cut that out. Uh, here is my um, non-answer answer. It depends on what it is. Like if it's a commercial, you know, I'll look at it and I try not to think too hard about what they want because it'll be like, okay, like 30 to 50 sounds like a friend. I'm like, okay, that's like literally anything. Fine. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for games, I, I will always look at what they give you, you know, if there's any information um, about the character, about the world, about the circumstances, you know, is it the, you know, my village has been raised by dragons and everything is terrible and I am rising up and killing all the bad guys or like what's the story um i will google like mad on any town names character names anything most video game copy is redacted um but sometimes sometimes they slip mm -hmm. and there'll be a name of a character that comes up or a world and you're like oh, i know what this is um or very occasionally it's a franchise i know and i'm like i you can't fool me i know this game right so that's <laughs> that's always fun um i always feel like a little sneaky when i'm like or I'll see, like, you know, if there's an NDA, I'm like, okay, well, who's the NDA from? Oh, it's from this company. Well, here are their big franchises. It feels a lot like it must be this game. Right. Um, so I will try to do that, not because I'm just like, look at me. I solved the mystery. But, you know, you can go watch. Like, I will go watch cutscenes if it's a franchise I don't know. I mean, like, okay, what's the acting style? Like, is it very serious? Is it very this? Like, you know, uh, a Bioware game, like a Mass Effect, is going to feel very different than Skylanders. And so I try to, you know, as much as I try to get some information about the character and, and figure out where they're coming from and why they're saying what they're saying, I'm like, well, you know, what is their world like? What is the universe of that game? What's the, what's the environment for that? And so I think for games, it's a lot easier for me to make those kinds of choices because I play games, because I make games, mm -hmm. um, because that's been my life for so long. Uh, not to say that I haven't watched cartoons forever, but I don't work in that world in the same way. Um, and so my approach is usually, you know, how do I, how do I try to match what this character needs to do in this scene? But also a little piece of me is floating outside and be like, what does the player need? You know, right. if it's directions, then I'm like, okay, this is tutorial. Like, I have to make sure I make it clear that like, we have to go to the next town. That's the actual, you know, the reason why this sentence exists is, is for the, the player information. But also like, you, you can't just do that. Right. <laughs> uh, you have to like still be the character in that world. But I find it can be really helpful to figure out, you know, what is, um, where do they live so I can create something that fits in it. Uh, obviously, half the time you don't know what you're auditioning for anyway. So you just have to take a guess and hope that it is stylistically right. Sometimes there can be clues from the art if you get that, which is a godsend. Or the writing, you know, will generally tell you, like, this is very serious film acting, like, you know, dramatic RPG game versus, like, collect all the stars. <laughs> Different feelings. Right. For animation, I find it hard because a lot of the times I get auditions for shows where it might be, like, Less frequently, I'll get something like a Trolls or a Boss Baby that I can go watch a couple episodes or there's shows I know that I watch anyway. Um, and so you can sort of go, this character is a mom. This is how moms behave in this this show. This is, you know, this is a kid. This is an animal. But then half the time when it's like a pilot, you're like, I don't know. Uh, there's no, like when I get this stuff anyway, there's no creator. There might not be art. It's five lines in different circumstances. And you're like, I don't, 
know how to make a choice off of that, so I'm just going to guess. Right. Like, I never find out who the casting director is. It's not included with my auditions. I know that's not the case for everyone, unless it's watermarked. So, man, I love me a watermark, and I'm like, oh, I know who's casting this. Or it says DreamWorks TV animation, then I can guess, you know, the style of a Disney show versus the Nickelodeon show versus the DreamWorks show versus, like, um, Netflix. They're all so different. Like, a Doc McStuffins or, like, a Vampirina has a much younger audience than, like, She-Ra. And so, you know, the choices you might make this, like I'm, I, you might've noticed I talk real fast. Um, <laughs> so one of my challenges is for like kids shows to be like, that's right, Billy, I have to say this at a tempo you can understand with your small ears right. versus like <laughs> an adult swim show is a little more bantery and a little more conversational. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I guess um, I probably spend, you know, enough time trying to figure out, you know, who is this person? Why are they why are they saying this? Who are they talking to? Like what are the circumstances? How do they feel about them? What did they think was going to happen in this scene versus what's happening? That's a good one. Um but also like I don't know, is this like a serious show? What is this? Like is it weird? Do they want real voices that are like I'm a person who sounds like this but I'm voicing a 5-year-old versus like I need to sound 5. Mm-hmm. Or like the the scary ones with the like, and also sing in character. Here's a song. I hope right. you can learn that by 9 a.m. Enjoy that, <laughs> which is fine. The worst is when they're like, sing a pop song. I'm like, can it be from 1999? Because I don't, I, <laughs> what are the kids singing these days that's appropriate for this character? You always want to make good choices that fit the character too. But I think, you know, knowing what, trying to guess as best you can the the world of the show can be really helpful. Um, especially when, you know, there might be people who are like, oh, yeah, I watched that show with my kid. I know every episode of this show. If you're like, I don't feel like watching it, then you're at a disadvantage. There's so much to do. There's so much content. And the more you know about, like, what's out there is so helpful, but also it's, like, overwhelming. Because there's so much content, then there's the expectation of, like, well, obviously you've seen this show. And I'm like, um, yes, definitely not for the first time five minutes ago. I guess my process is panic, Sean. Process is panic. <laughs> Research and panic. Okay, so uh, we share the same process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a few follow-up questions. For video games, obviously you've worked on both sides of the glass. How has that helped you know how to approach the lines differently? For example, like if it's a player select line mm-hmm. or in combat or, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah, I can't or really like a conversation, like a cutscene. Exactly, Like yeah. a cinematic. I think like things that can be really helpful for taking that, like something uh, I learned from Amanda Wyatt in a workshop who is a genius director and just right. good human uh, who I love. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we talked a lot about it. We talked to you about um, like, you know, sometimes my knowledge can backfire for me a little bit. Like I'm thinking a little too much about the context and not enough about the situation at, from the character. So I work on that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really, what is the context? What's the space of it? You know, am I in a battlefield yelling across to an opponent before I close distance versus a character select screen? It's to the player. It's here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, pick me. I'm awesome. Like, that's right. what you're saying on a character select line. It's like, choose me. I'm cooler. Pay for me if I'm extra content, you know? It's much more about your relationship with the person playing versus, um, you know, in-game dialogue. Uh, so I always try at least when I'm like I have no information and I'm just guessing when there's no context and it's like there's five lines, you know, especially like MOBA games where like you'll get those auditions and they're super small. And the first one's like this is clearly the line when the character is picked. This is clearly the line when they do their special move. This is clearly the line when they die. It doesn't say that. But it's sort of I'm like there's only like 10 lines on a character in a game like that. Right. So I try to 
put them all at a different proximity. Um, so like maybe this one's close combat. This one's distance over a battlefield. This one is more to myself. This one is more casual to the player. So that way, even if I'm wrong, at least I'm making like five different choices uh, that'll sound different, especially because some of those lines might not have like a huge emotional journey on them versus like a cinematic where there's like, you know, like some players revealing something really meaningful in this amazing Bioware game. And like, yeah, it's not that. It's like, let's do this move. (laughs) It's not really the same, uh, you know, sphere of of emotional commitment. So I at least try to make choices that show I understand what they could be, you know, how this might play, even if like maybe that's not it. That's my guess when it's like those little auditions like that. But I like to try to think about, you know, what's the situation going on around them? Like, is it loud? Is there gunfire? Is there a lot of ambient stuff? Is there going to be, like, some giant swell of music as they survey, you know, all of this will be yours someday, Simba, kind of thing? (laughs) Or is it, like, you know, are we infiltrating something? Like, are we about to go into a room and do a thing and hit an objective? And so there's choices you can just sort of make. Um, if you know games and if you don't know games, you can watch people play them on Twitch. You can watch videos on YouTube. Um, you know, uh, no commentary playthroughs are great because you can hear the voiceover without someone being like, hey, welcome back, subscribe, um, <laughs> which is great. And I have a lot of friends that stream and I love it. But sometimes you're like, I just want to hear what the NPCs sound like because I have an audition. Yeah. So even when you don't have any context, you can just sort of be like, this is the thing that happens in games and choose it. Yeah, as long as you make a choice, that's all that matters. Honestly, that's really what it is about, is just make a choice and commit hard to it because it's very easy to go, oh, they're good at making real choices. That's the wrong choice. So we can give them directions so they know because we don't get any context or um, a lot of information about the characters or their or their dummy sides anyway. Um, and so, you know, the situation might be one thing in the audition versus what it is in the game. And so all they're really, all someone in casting is looking for is going like, oh, can you commit to something and make it sound believable? Great. You're wrong. And that line is actually whispered to your teammate who's dying and it's not threatening someone across the battlefield. But the hell, how do you know? You don't. So you just guess and you make a choice and you hope that your choice was at least interesting, even if it's wrong. Right. And like you said, thankfully, the understanding of that, that, okay, if you don't have the context, you're not going to know. But Generally, yes. Yeah. I know it's got to be tough when they have a character in mind that they know exactly what's going on. It's like it's like being a diehard Beatles fan and hearing Aerosmith's cover of Come Together. Like that cover is so not the Beatles. It offends me. But you know, Aerosmith made a choice and some people like it. Yeah. And with games, you know, sometimes it's a casting person who's been casting for years and years and years. Sometimes it's an indie developer where it's like there's two people on the team and they're casting. And so just, you know, you never know. I mean, you can tell, depending, if there's an NDA and it, like, looks fancy and expensive. You're like, okay, it's fancy and expensive. <laughs> you know, they you can fall in love with a voice. You can have an idea in your head that you you get stuck on. Um, there could be temp dialogue that you are like, that's the cadence I want, even if it's not maybe the choice that a director would direct them. So, yeah, you can't, you can't pretend to guess what's in their brain. Um, and also sometimes you they may have a vision that you change. I worked on a game back when I was an associate producer where uh, there was a villain and oh, he was going to be German and he was going to be this particular way. And this guy comes in and does his audition. I think we were like, you know, do a German, we're open to other accents. And he just does this with a French accent. And it, he speaks fluent French, this guy. And it was like, it was it. We were like, that's it. Change it. Change the character. Cast him. Change the characters. You know, whatever. It was slightly different. 
Um, because there was just something about the choice he made and how the character was that you were like, he's the villain of this piece, but he's fascinating and he's likable. And right. that's much more interesting. Not because, you know, that accent is more pleasing, but because he just had a little bit of a swagger in it because it's something he was comfortable in. And so it was early enough in game development where we just changed it. Oh, wow. We just <laughs> rewrote the character. Um, and that was Lost Planet 3. Huh. But other times, you know, it's late. If it's localization, if it's the end of the process, if this game's like three months from ship, like they're like, they need you to be as close as the vision in their brain because you just got to get the damn game in a box. But if it's early in development, you know, there can be some of that collaboration where, you know, maybe the character isn't fully written yet. I've heard so many stories of like, you know, actors where they're like, we changed this thing based on how they talk and and how, you know, their sense of humor. I feel like Uncharted is a good example of like games that really were like leaning into their main actor. Yeah. So, yeah, just do, just do it and have fun. Like as Richard Horvitz is like, just, you know, that's what I like to think about. That's really my process on a character. Um, after I do it, I'm like, was that fun? How could I have had more fun? Okay, let's do it again. That wraps up my time with the amazing Jennifer Losey. I hope you enjoyed all her thoughtful and generous insights, such as tip number one, create a Google Doc tracking the schedule of noisemakers like leaf blowers so you can schedule your remote session availability around them and not panic that they'll go off at any second. Tip number two, decide what the space of your audition sides are. A combat line may be shouted across a loud battle scene, but a player select line is usually a direct sales pitch to the player. And tip number three, show some love to your audio engineers. They are the reason remote sessions are even remotely possible, pun intended. And on that very sad joke of a note, may all you voice actors keep acting up. <laughs>